Life Audio. Welcome to Truth Tribe with Doug Rothheis, where we seek the truth about what matters most through reason and evidence. I am professor of philosophy at Denver Seminary, where I have served for 30 years. I'm also the author of 17 books and a lot of other stuff. I want to read a paper that I wrote a number of years ago, about 1982, that is on my website, douglasrodheis.com, and it defends Christian education, K-12, through against 10 different criticisms. So instead of developing the case constructively for Christian education according to a Christian worldview, I'm going to simply respond to objections, and I think by doing that, I also build something of a positive case. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Many arguments are marshaled against Christian schools and Christian homeschooling in K-12. Those, such as myself, who categorically reject state or public education as anti-Christian, inefficient, and inherently unfair in its present form, are in for some lively debates. The objections raised must be met. Objection 1. If you send your children to Christian schools, they will be in a sheltered, hothouse environment and will be isolated from the real world. Response. Non-Christian education is what shields a child from the real world. That is, the world God created and the world God speaks of in the Bible. His inspired propositional truth. Education, ungrounded in God's truth from beginning to end, is necessarily poisoned and corrupted with unreality, poisoned and corrupted with falsehood. Christian children should be exposed to non-Christian thinking later in their education through a thorough grasp of Christian apologetics. Biblical truth must be instilled before unbiblical, anti-biblical error is confronted. Objection 2. You should send your children to public schools to evangelize other children, teachers, and staff members. Response. Soldiers are not sent into battle immediately after being drafted. They require training in the skills of combat. Thus so with Christian children. The young are not equipped adequately to counteract the entrenched secularism of the public schools. How could we expect them to be? Those in the state schools can be evangelized in other 
contexts, and in other ways. Objection 3. Christian parents can debrief their children after school to counteract the non-Christian thinking. This could be called anorectic education. The child is gorged with secularism seven or eight hours a day and then coaxed to vomit it up after school. And this goes on for nine months a year and for 12 years. If Christian education was pursued, such extremes could be avoided. It is also questionable how effective such a method can be. Can a few hours a week of discussion with parents or even teaching in the church really neutralize the teaching of an entire week? While an antidote may neutralize the effects of a poison somewhat, the best course is to avoid ingesting the poison to begin with. Objection 4. We must improve our public schools. Response. These are really state schools. We must here adequately face a neglected dilemma. Public education supposedly belongs to everyone. We all pay for it through taxes. We all have access to it. We all must send our children there, compulsory attendance laws, or to an approved alternative. Yet, how can a public school curriculum fairly represent all those who finance it? How can it become all things to all people? It cannot. All education proceeds according to its worldview or philosophy of life. Facts and values cannot really be separated. Education is not ideologically or philosophically neutral. Eliminating sectarianism, that is, specifically Christian ideas, from state education certainly will not fumigate the schools of religion. The de facto religion of secular humanism will simply take its place. A look at the history of state education will show that its instigators, by and large, were far from Christian and some were anti-Christian. This is especially the case with Robert Owen, an atheist socialist, Horace Mann, a Unitarian, and John Dewey, an atheist socialist. Their goals have been implemented and are deeply ingrained at every level of K-12 state education. On this, see Rusas John Rushton's book, The Messianic Character of American Education, and more recently, Peter Hegseth's book, The Battle for the American Mind. Equal access for Christian ideas in the state schools, such as allowing for intelligent design, should be viewed as an emergency measure, not a final solution. And thus far, intelligent design has not been allowed presentation in state schools. Two weeks old, in an iron lung, which is, you know, like a sealed oxygen unit, um, fighting for my life. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe properly. I, and apparently I didn't make a sound um, from the day I was born because my lungs were all messed up. That's Martin Smith of Delirious sharing a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform. Objection 5. But the public schools are free. Response, no, they are not. We pay a high price of taxation, whether we use them or not. Because of the inefficiencies of status bureaucracy, private education is more cost-efficient. 
and no culture can afford to subscribe to secularism and set itself against the ways of God. Objection 6. But how many people can afford Christian education? Response. This is a difficult matter, but we must think according to biblical principles. Christians cannot afford not to send their children to Christian schools. They must not relinquish their children to institutionalized error about the things that matter most. Financially, sacrifices might need to be made. The church should band together in this, sharing her resources, as we see it did in Acts chapter 2. Tithing and giving must be applied to this end. In the long run, if state education monopoly is dismantled, more on that below, more money would be available for private education. Objection 7. But so many Christian schools are unaccredited. Response. This may be so. But who is the ultimate accreditor, Jesus Christ or human institutions? The question should be, what does Jesus Christ think of our school? We must first work to rebuild a Christian counterculture, not dependent on the recognition of the non-Christian world. This is even more so the case now than when I wrote it in about 1982. But this counterculture should advance the kingdom into every area, and so, through peaceful and legal means, become, God willing, the dominant culture over time. But we are far from that. Nevertheless, we should not sell our educational souls for the sake of accreditation. We say that again. Yet, we should not sell our educational souls for the sake of accreditation. That applies to education at any level. We must not be unequally yoked to apostate curricula. Objection 8. We've had some bad experiences with Christian education and we want to avoid it. Response. Undoubtedly, many have had this happen. We also have had bad experiences with poor preaching, bad meals, and irritating relatives. But this doesn't lead us to condemn preaching as such, give up on eating, or hate our family members. You are either part of the problem or the solution on this. If you jettison Christian education because of a few bad experiences, you are definitely part of the problem. You are also illogical. A few bad experiences cannot be universalized to apply to all Christian education. Furthermore, in many cases, bad Christian education is better than a good state education. Objection 9. It's too late. How can we change it all now? Response. Some thought it too late to deal with the institution of slavery in the United States, but it was not. Christian ethics should be governed by by truth not expediency. Our culture gives us the context for our moral deliberation and possibilities for action, but it should not determine how we act. If it does, we have been conformed to the world and lack a vibrant faith. See Romans 12, 1 and 2, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. We must expand our Christian vision, not give in to the circumstances in pessimism. And lastly, objection 10, if we disestablish public education, many will not be educated. Response, we forget that compulsory state education is not as old as America. Many became well-educated without it. Of course, the slaves were excluded, and that was horrible. But state education today is not doing a sterling job of decreasing 
illiteracy, teaching civility, teaching STEM, or much of anything else, or critical thinking. Education should gradually be returned to the family and the church instead of being monopolized by the state. Here, we have some possibilities that are part of a webpage called schoolchoicefacts.com. Let me read this. The definition of school choice is this. Any policy that allows families to take their children's education dollars to the approved education provider of their choosing. Parents should have a wide range of high-quality schools or educational options to choose from, be it traditional public schools, public charter schools, private schools, virtual learning, or homeschooling. I don't think virtual learning should be an option unless it's absolutely necessary. Going on with the material from this webpage, private school choice through scholarship tax credit programs, vouchers, educational savings accounts, and individual tuition tax credits give students, including those from low-income families or those with special needs, we always have to remember these folks, the opportunity to receive tuition to attend a private school that meets their needs immediately. Public school choice like charters or magnets, allow families to choose educational settings within the public system. So I am a great advocate of Christian schools and Christian homeschooling, but what I just read concerning school choice will demonopolize the state schools, the public schools, and give opportunities for parents to send their child elsewhere. Christians, I think, should also open their Christian schools to those who cannot afford to go elsewhere. So we're thinking about Christian education as a long-term gradual solution. We need the fortitude and patience that only the Holy Spirit gives to be successful over time. On this, I really recommend you read a recent book that I just mentioned by Pete Hegseth and a co-author called The Battle for the American Mind. You may also want to read an older book, came out in 1981 by Samuel Blumenfeld, called Is Public Education Necessary?, which is a scholarly and cogent treatment of the development of public education in the United States, and it dissipates a score of popular misconceptions. This has been Truth Tribe with Douglas Grotheis. If you'd like to know more about me and how I could perhaps minister to you, your church, your organization, please go to douglasgrotheis.com. You'll find an essay there called Build Up Your Church to the Ministry of Doug Grotheis. I have about 11 different seminars I can do for you, also available for preaching and so on. So if you appreciate this podcast, please share it with someone else, tell your friend, and pray for us. Truth Tribe is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.